Hi everyone, this is Darren from My Guest List Pod. A big Merry Christmas to Marv and everybody else out there. As far as my favourite Christmas movie goes, that's probably National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, uh, Griswold Christmas. Uh, the whole family's there, everyone gets together and it's complete chaos. And as far as an animated movie goes, probably the Polo Express. That's a big favourite in this household and would rival National Lampoon's, I think, for number one or top billing. Anyway, stay listening to Pods Like Us, and everybody have a safe and a Merry Christmas. Hello and welcome to Pods Like Us. I'm Martin Quibble, known to my friends as Marv, and this time I'm speaking with Glenn Warren from the show Seasons Eatings. Hey Glenn, thanks for speaking with me. I hope you're okay. Yes, I'm very well. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for speaking with me and um, talking to me about a subject that I'm sure everybody loves because everybody likes eating. (laughs) Especially at this time of the year, everybody likes, you know. Yeah, we all tend to overindulge yeah. a little bit during this time we of do. year. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Min- mince pies are plenty over here. <laughs> I'm trying to remember which number episode that is in your episodes. Oh, now you put me on the spot. I have no idea. Unfortunately, when I make an episode, I maybe remember the last two or three. And after or after or before, I don't know how you want to do the timeline. It's like lost in the ether. I have to go back to my the show notes and going, when did I talk about this? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I know. What was the one I listened to the most recent? I can't remember now. I listened to a lot of them over the weekend. I think you noticed. So Yes. Thank you. That's okay. I'm, I'm I'm enjoying it. You know, like I said, you know, I, I love Christmas and also I love food, even though I work every Christmas. So, what's your first memory of Christmas food? Goodness, um, it's funny because there's one of the, I have a photograph of me. Uh, I I was at my grandmother's house. I may have been four or five years old. Uh, and it's one of those things. I don't remember if it's a true memory or if it's, I've looked at the photograph so many times, it's now a memory. So it's a picture of me under a, under the kitchen table, sitting on the floor. And on top of the Christmas table is the leftover Christmas dinner. Yeah. <laughs> so everyone's had their <laughs> fill. They've all gone off to the other room and I'm basically in a crouched position under the kitchen table eating leftovers. (laughs) (laughs) 
But doesn't everybody, I mean, that you, you, you mentioned before we started, you know, it's the time for overindulgence. So, you know, that's when you do that. Yes, exactly. See, I started very early. <laughs> you were always a lover of Christmas food then. Oh, just a lover of food in general. I mean, I've been in the food industry, gosh, um, over 20 years. I started working in a family-style restaurant back almost out of high school and uh, then started working in a fine dining restaurant, working in kitchens, and then went to school again later in life and got my baking certificate, uh, which gave me the knowledge for making sort of commercial bakery stuff. So if I work in a supermarket, I can do like large volume of breads and rolls and cookies and pies and all those lovely things that we eat during the holidays and all through the year. So, Luckily, we're not going to release this as video because I'm salivating at the moment. (laughs) I get a lot of that. I get a lot of that when people hear my (laughs) podcast. They're like, don't eat this or don't listen to this podcast if you're hungry, because you will be afterwards. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like people watching the Bake Off or all these other programs. Don't do that if you've not eaten yet, because by the time you've finished eating, you'll be straight to the shop and buying more food than you need to eat. <laughs> and see, when I watch the those baking competition shows, I'm more anxious because I know how it's all made. And yep. I was like, I get so nervous and frustrated by some of the things that people do. And I, I just, it's out of my head. I don't even think about how it would taste and, and I'm going to the science and the complexity of the, of dealing, juggling all these balls in the air and trying to get everything done at the same time. (laughs) Louise, my other half, she's the same because she bakes. I mean, she doesn't do it for a living, but she bakes. And when she watches it, she knows what could go wrong. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. There was yeah. a there was another competition show on your side of the pond um, a few years ago. It was like a whole bunch of pastry chefs. I think Heston Blumenthal was one of the the judges. Yeah. And it was they had to do these monumental tasks in such a short amount of time, and I couldn't get past like two or three episodes because I was on edge. Basically, <laughs> I was having anxiety <laughs> just watching them trying to finish their tasks. Absolutely. So how how were you introduced to podcast in the first place then, Glenn? I love Christmas, obviously, or else I wouldn't have done this podcast. Um, I'm part of a online forum group called My Merry Christmas, mymerrychristmas.com. And basically they celebrate the holiday 365. So you can go on there any time of the year and talk to someone about Christmas, uh, recipes, decorating, TV shows, movies. If you have an interest in Christmas and a certain niche, there's someone on there you can talk with. And so they have an actual podcast as well. They have um, the the My Merry Christmas podcast, which I listen to um, all the time. And a few years ago, uh, I've, you know, I picked up the podcast and thought, well, if my Merry Christmas has a podcast, who else has a Christmas podcast? And so you download your favorite podcast player, check the search button, and there was maybe like a handful of podcasts out there. This was maybe two or three years ago. 
Yeah. And in the last year and a half, maybe two years, it has gotten like exploded of Christmas podcasts. If you go on Brian Earl's uh, My Christmas Past uh, website, I think it's uh, christmaspast.media, he has a list, a a very comprehensive list of the hundreds of Christmas podcasts that are out there. Some are still going, some are defunct, but they're still out in the well, in the interwebs, as I like to say. So yeah. you can still listen to them. So um, I don't know if you noticed if a couple of years ago we had a lovely pandemic happened. <laughs> so I had yes. a bit of free time. <laughs> and I, because of my um, background with cooking and baking and uh, taking my baking certificate uh, a few years back, I – we had to make all these wonderful foods because classes were basically from September through to May and or early yeah. May. So I'm making Christmas fruitcake in September in the heat of a bakery kitchen. I'm making German Stollen. I'm making panettone. I'm making all these things to um, learn first how to make them if I get a job at a bakery. And yeah. uh, we used to sell our wares up into the um, the Christmas or the student commissary area, so they got a great deal. All our cakes and pies were like dirt cheap. The students, I don't know how they stayed slim, but some of them <laughs> didn't. <laughs> um, so as I'm learning about all these all these foods and how they're made, I always wondered how did it all start? Like why do we have, you know a fruitcake studded with fruits and nuts during the Christmas season and, you know, light it on fire. Um, why do we have this sort of dense bread like thing covered in powdered sugar or, you know, so it just, it got me started on that research side of it. And then when I was finding all the other Christmas podcasts, there wasn't one that really dove into the history of the food. Yep. And I figured, I got some spare time. I love both Christmas and food. Why not make a podcast? Silly me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it works because it's great because you get, so um, you explain the history of how these things came into being and became uh, Christmas staples in these different countries. And then um, you then explain ways that in some cases you explain ways that you can do them. Like when, when you've, uh, when you went into Brussels sprouts, you explained what you could do with Brussels sprouts and what people do with them. Uh, so it's, it's just, it's fascinating. And so there's lots of hints and tips in there for budding experimental bakers as well. And yeah. Cooks. And that's one of the things I, I, th- I want to just spark with someone who listens to the podcast. Um, I want to give that appreciation for the food and just maybe if someone listens to it and they go, Oh, I've never thought about, you know, how this is made, or maybe I can make it this way the next time or even um, why this is made or, you know, exploring a different culture and exploring their food traditions and stuff and exposing. I mean, I didn't have, I'm, my background is mostly, uh, I'm originally from Newfoundland, so that's where I am now. Yeah. But my my heritage is obviously Irish, um, Southwest English family heritage. So, you know, I like 
English food. It's, yep. you know, not as spicy. <laughs> so <laughs> Sunday dinner was always potatoes and, and turnip and carrots boiled within an inch of their life, along with some roast beast on the side with loads of gravy and tons of salt. And that was about it. <laughs> so as I grew yes. up, I started to explore all these different cultures. And that's the great thing about the internet. I mean, you can find information about anything and everything. And unfortunately, that's one of the bad things about the internet because you can go down a rabbit hole and all of a sudden you're talking about something not even closely related to what you were researching in the first place. <laughs> no, but like you said, you, you can go on the internet and find what you are looking for and that's how it's helpful. But yeah, it can be negative yes. as well. Hey, this is Jack from Bad Counsel. You want some good counsel? Keep listening to my man Marv from Pods Like Us. So you've explained the show history and uh, you were introduced to podcasts. So you've got a set structure then and uh, to it as well. Uh, how do you, well, do you have a set structure to it or do you just free form each episode? Um, it's kind of, yeah, most of the time it's kind of free form because I've noticed I've been doing this for about a year and a half now. I started back in May of 2010, I think. 20. Anyway. Yeah, I think it's 2010. Oh, sorry. 2020. See? COVID. (laughs) (laughs) COVID time. Uh, yeah. (laughs) Sorry. May 2020. My goodness. Um, You've been doing so, this a long time. Yes, before podcasts <laughs> even existed. Uh, May 2020, thank you for the correction. And I, I first I thought, oh, I'll just talk about the history, throw in a few recipes, and done like dinner. Um, yeah. But it seems that each one I research has their own like journey that they make. Like when I talk about um, Stalin, I actually found out there was a letter from a Pope that banned the use of butter. And like, what the heck happened there? So I had to go yeah. down and figure out why that happened. Right. And on top of, you know, how to make, um, you know, the general terms of how to make the, the bread and, and why it's made the way it is. But I, one of the reasons I th- wasn't going to do a strictly recipe driven podcast is that it can get very um pedantic and and sometimes a little bit boring because number one it's a podcast who wants to hear me recite recipe ingredients and how to make it uh it's better done as a youtube um program that way or a you know television show yeah knock on wood (laughs) um so i think Fingers adding crossed. story sorry oh i, I think said fingers crossed stories, for the television show yeah exactly uh, i think adding stories to um <laughs> to the history as well as a little bit of science a little bit of recipes just breaks up the the podcast a little bit for me it's just makes it a little bit more interesting for me yeah 
Yeah, I think it's really interesting that, and you've you've explained how you do your research as well. I'm guessing that you have a lot of cookery books as well to be able to fall back on. I do, and I actually I pared down because when we moved, um, I got rid of a few because um, you know books are heavy. <laughs> Unfortunately, books are heavy, so now I just I rely on um, the internet and a lot of. There's a couple educational websites uh, here. There's one for the called the Culinary Historians of Canada, and they have a whole list of all these university sites that have these old cookbooks that are that have been scanned and online. So then you can, instead of owning it myself, I can go on their website and find the uh, the recipe or the cookbook that I need, and yep. uh, you know hopefully um, give them a little bit of credit at the end of the podcast. Yep. I've just written them down on my notes while you were talking there. (laughs) So I could put them in the notes. So you've done the research uh, and the history. You've got the, uh, the free form. So how do you record all that and then edit it together? I mean, do, do you actually do a lot of editing or do you just put it out as is? Uh, unlike like um, sort of the interview process podcast, I actually write everything down. So I basically write a script. Uh, okay. So I know that in Word, about five pages, single space is about 20, 25 minutes, depending on, you know, how fast I talk. Um, okay. So I write everything out, move it around, make it hopefully make it smooth sounding and edited. And then I record on audacity. So audacity is a great free um, recording program that I can use. And I had that lovely steep learning curve of my first couple of podcasts. And that's the reason, well, one of the reasons that my first few episodes are only like 10, 15 minutes because number one, I didn't really know what I was doing. (laughs) <laughs> and number two, yeah. I wasn't sure of my audience. I wasn't sure if someone would l- listen to me prattle on for 25 minutes about, you know, Christmas cake. <laughs> so I was going to keep it short. And if it, if it caught on, I'd keep going. So yeah, I write down the script, yeah. have a little notes um, on my script where like a break would be for commercials and stuff like that. And then record everything in one shot and then add all the um, background music and and uh, promos afterwards. Yep. So where did, where did you get all the actual show music from? And the, um, I mean, the, the promos. How did they come about as well? I uh, for the music, I'm I actually pay for uh, a subscription at Epi- Epidemic Sound. They have yep. a whole library of royalty-free music that I can uh, download and use. So they have probably about 40 different Christmas albums that I can pick and uh, use. Some are with vocals, some are without. Obviously, I choose the ones without. Or you could even download um, certain tracks of each song. So you could download just the melody, or you can download just the percussion, stuff like that. So... Wow. Um, Epidemic Sound has a great library, and they haven't paid me to say this. <laughs> they have a great library of a whole bunch of music, and it's not just Christmas, plus 
a whole library of sound effects. So a couple times in the podcast, yep. I've actually added like the sound of boiling, bubbling cauldron, water boiling, or the sound of um, a bell or something like that. So I've used their library, sound effects library as well. And then with the Christmas promos, I'm part of a Discord group called the Christmas Podcast Network. So yep. us um, family of Christmas podcasters have decided to just create a one like a one file, Google one file, and we upload all the promos from our different podcasts that we make. And I pick and choose which ones I throw in. So if I'm doing something from the UK, there's a couple UK Christmas podcasters that I that are out there. Uh, one is uh, Merry Britsmas. The other yep. is um, Kringle Talks Christmas. He's brand new. He started this year. So yep. I'll throw in a UK promo just to make it, you know, more, um, what's the word? More direct, I guess, for the more suited for the actual, <laughs> yeah. yeah, more suited to the, what you're actually discussing, yeah. And I mean, most of our Christmas podcasters are either A from the UK or B from uh, North America. So there's a handful of others, a couple from Australia, one from New Zealand, a couple from Europe, but I haven't really heard of many others from different countries. So that's the the, the choices I have are the choices I have. <laughs> Well, well, maybe one of these days you could. <laughs> here's an interesting. You could do crossovers with each other's shows. Yes, and have I, each I, other as guests. I mean, yeah. like I said, I'm part of the Discord group, and we've had conversations about me having uh, people on talking about you know their Christmas dinner memories and stuff like that. Yeah, and who knows? I it's a great idea, and I'm not sure if that's one of the directions I want to take with the podcast. Cause um, there are a lot of interview style Christmas podcasts out there. And yes, a lot of them talk about movies and books and, and um, music and stuff like that, yeah. which are great. And they're amazing. And I listened to probably about a dozen of them. So, <laughs> but I don't know. I, number one, it's more work for me. And uh, That's true. I'm not sure if people actually want to hear it. So if they do, write me. Let me know. Let me know at my email, which we'll talk about later. <laughs> we will. Great. Great. That's, that's very good. You've been doing this a long time. You know what you're doing. <laughs> so here we go. We'll go over to this bit here. So my other half, Louise, she actually gave me a few uh, suggestions for things to talk to you about, which, which number one is, is a great question, actually. She said, if someone invited you to Christmas dinner and served you something that you didn't like, would you A, be polite and eat it, or B, apologize and leave it? Um, I would say I would actually try it. I would try it first. Um, and number one, if it's something I've never seen before, yep. um, I will. how will I know if I don't like it at all? So I'll just try it anyway. That's true. Um, and number two, if it's something that I've absolutely tried before and I'll go, oh, I'm not a big fan, 
I will still try it because they may have done something different with the dish and that it may pleasantly surprise me. Or, uh, and if I even taste a couple bites and I'm still not a big fan, I'll just, you know, politely to say, yeah, that tastes delicious, but it's not my thing. <laughs> I mean, honesty, I, honesty is always the best policy for me. Yes. Absolutely, honesty. I was going to say, because Louise has made me things uh, where I've eaten them before and I've not been too fond because of how I've had them served. I'm thinking of uh, English pancakes, for instance. When I had them when I was younger, uh, hopefully a family member, uh, I think it was my my grandma, so she won't hear it because she's no longer with us. Uh, (laughs) But... But she she used to leave a leave, make them a bit greasy, shall we say? So a bit of a bit of right. oil in the so that used to put me off a lot in it. You could taste it in there, and that put me off pancakes, for instance. And then when when Louise made me pancakes to start with, I wasn't too sure about them. And then I had the first one, and it was it was it was just perfect. So it, like you said, it's the it's the way that people actually make them as well that can make the decision as to whether you like them or not. And then you might try them right. later and, you've and touched be on, You've touched on another thing about having a past history of a certain food. Like as a yeah. child, I couldn't stand Brussels sprouts. You couldn't force me to eat them. But now as an adult, okay. my palate has changed. Um, I love them roasted with a little bit of balsamic vinegar. I love them shredded and put into a salad. So um, you've experienced your pancakes and you associate that memory with something negative and now you associate the pancakes with something positive yeah and louise also introduced me to the american style pancakes as well which i, I really love those because there as so, well you've got different different types of pancake you know the pancake in england is closer <laughs> to a crepe closer to a crepe yes. i believe whereas the american pancakes are something completely different yeah they also call them flapjacks Right, yes, yeah, which is a completely different thing in this country, a flapjack. <laughs> g'day, g'day, this is Matty C from the Astros Fantasy Football Podcast way down in Australia, and we love getting to listen to Marv meet new podcasters from all over the world here on the Pods Like Us podcast. So what else has she said? She said, have you got any suggestions or things that you like to do with leftover turkey? If you do have turkey for Christmas. Uh, Yes, we usually do have turkey. Um, We usually have leftovers for about at least a week because I always buy a bird that's way too big from the amount of people I'm feeding because I like having leftovers. So the easiest one for me, I call it my turkey casserole. So you basically take all your leftovers. If you have potatoes, um, you do almost like a, a cottage pie or a shepherd's pie. So you do yep. a layer of turkey with a layer of dressing, throw on the leftover gravy on top, and then a layer of veg and a layer of mashed potatoes on top of that. Sprinkle a little bit of cheese, throw it in the oven, you're good. Um, that's that's leftovers for a couple more days. <laughs> One of the newer ones I've done, yeah. also, please keep the bones and make soup. Um, you can, there's an amazing amount of meat on the turkey 
when you boil it down with the bones and all that stuff and all that flavor inside the marrow. And now I'm sorry to all the vegetarians out there, but um, you get so much flavor out of the turkey bones. And when we were kids, we used to fight over the neck. So <laughs> my brother and I, because the neck would be cooked like an hour before the rest of the turkey would be. So we'd open up the oven and take the neck out and eat the neck before the turkey was ready. Um, the newer ones I've been doing now, uh, a turkey um, enchilada or turkey tacos, really mm. good. Um, of course, you can always make the lovely turkey sandwich with turkey and cranberry sauce and, and dressing, as you can you can buy those in the, at M&S now, right? Um, oh, and I saw the lovely Aldi ones. They're, oh, they look so good. <laughs> um, also yes, do a turkey are. pizza. <laughs> Uh, so if you take a regular yep. turkey or a regular pizza crust, add a spicy cranberry sauce instead of a tomato sauce, layers of turkey with dressing and a little bit of mozzarella or maybe even, I don't know, a brie, a stilton, if you like it a little bit stinky. Mm. Um, <laughs> well, brie know, works nicely. Nice with the, brie works nicely. Yeah. Brie works nicely yeah. with the cranberry and with the turkey. It's a, it's a nice cheese that works perfectly with both i think yeah and then throw on a few sprigs of rosemary and you're golden absolutely yep <laughs> so what could you yourself eat every day over christmas week oh um i love dressing or stuffing as some people call it um i can eat that all the time every day <laughs> um there's a company over here called Stovetop. They make a boxed stuffing mix. Um, yep. So they usually go on sale at this time of year. And I buy, I literally buy like two dozen boxes. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, it's probably not good for my waistline, but I don't care. Uh, yes, I can make my own stuffing. Don't ask. I know people are going, you buy pre-boxed or pre-made stuffing mix? I'm like, yes, I do. Because... I have a life. Um, (laughs) So I do make a pre uh, uh, a homemade stuffing from, you know, stale leftover bread and lots of butter and lots of savory and and stuff like that. So that, and I always cook my stuffing outside the bird because number one, uh, by the time the stuffing is cooked and the bird gets to the correct temperature by OH and S standards, um, the bird is dry and terrible tasting. And number two, you can stuff the bird with so many different other things. You can stuff it with like fresh vegetables and or citrus or rosemary or whatever and just have those flavors go throughout the meat. But again, this is not a cooking show. (laughs) (laughs) So yes, stuffing because it can be added to anything. I can add I could add wieners and sausage and leftover turkey and either make a casserole or put it in a sandwich or yeah, I could eat stuffing for days (laughs) and it's all carbs. Who doesn't love carbs? Absolutely. (laughs) And uh, two two things there. I I think I've heard somebody mention before that the, the idea with citrus is a good idea because it keeps the turkey moist and stops it from drying out as much as it is, which is a, Frequent thing that can happen with turkey. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. Another I mean, thing. I mean, I've on. stuffed I've stuffed the cavity with like 
onions and carrots and celery and stuff like that. But yeah, lovely. If you want to do a different take on the traditional bird, like a citrus and sage, that would be a beautiful combination. Lovely. Yes, oh, very nice that. Yeah, and uh, another <laughs> thing that's another thing that's nice with stuffing, as we call it in this country, is roast chestnuts. Yes, that's something I haven't researched as much as I should. Uh, Brian actually talked about that in a recent episode of his podcast, um, Christmas Past. And the only chestnuts I had when I was a kid were water chestnuts, the really crunchy ones in the in the cans. Yeah. But they're not even chestnuts; they're like some no. Asian plant that i don't remember where it's from but yeah i'm the only chestnuts i've seen uh, are on cooking shows when they throw it in to you know confuse the guest by giving them <laughs> chestnuts in syrup or something like that <laughs> yes but that was a big thing for victorian times it was roasted chestnuts everywhere you could buy it was and i mean you can still buy them in this country they are they are delicious they are really nice and they're you buy them in a tin or you buy them fresh um you can buy them you can buy them anyway you can buy them in a tin you can buy them fresh uh but they also do them where you can buy them in a pouch as well so it's sealed okay. uh, you, so you can buy nice. them that way as well so yeah. various ways you can buy them you know it's, it's the same as you know there's things in america that we can't buy over here that we wish we could like you know we, we can't buy tomatillos in in england which is a bit of an irritation because louise keeps seeing those in in mexican uh, cookery programs Yes. They're like little green tomatoes. They are. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I've just mentioned roasted roasted chestnuts then. So what would be your personal go-to Christmas nibble? Okay. So if you want to go back to when I was a kid, yep. my mother always made these toothpick um, hors d'oeuvres. Basically, it was a cube of cheddar cheese, a cube of cooked yep. ham, and a sweet gherkin, all on a toothpick. Yeah. That was yep. like, it was that combination of sweet, salty, and savory, and sort of crunchy and soft, all in one bite. It was like mm. so simple, but so amazing to me. Um, that's just a... Uh, uh, one of those sort of warm and fuzzy Christmas memories for me for food. Um, but my go-to food now, Oh goodness. Um, see there was, there's a cookie or I can't even call it a cookie cause you don't, you don't bake it. We make a thing called snowballs here in Newfoundland. And it's basically a combination of chocolate oatmeal and coconut mixed together. Um, rolled into a ball and then rolled in more coconut. Okay. <laughs> so nothing wow. says Newfoundland like a snowball for some reason, because you can't get any of those ingredients naturally in this province, which is weird. So, but for some reason, they're one of the go-to desserts that every Newfoundlander has on their Christmas dessert platter. Yep. Wow. So, ooh, have you ever had any kitchen dinner disasters? Oh, yes. <laughs> Speaking of turkeys, um, the first time I ever right. baked a turkey, I forgot to take out the giblets. 
So <laughs> if you've ever bought a turkey oh, inside dear. the cavity, oh. there's a little bag filled with the giblets, which is usually the kidneys, the heart, the liver, all the awful as they aptly called it. Um, and so yes. I did the thing the bird was in. I put salt and pepper on the bird, slather it in butter, threw it in the oven, came out nice and golden and, you know, carving the turkey on the table. And so put, you know, looked inside the cavity and going, what is this? <laughs> and pulled out this lovely cooked bag of, you know, oh. turkey innards, basically. <laughs> yep. So I haven't done the um, underbaked or undercooked turkey, thank goodness, because at least I know how to, I used a meat thermometer to get the correct temperature. Um, not Christmas related, though. When I was working, one of my first jobs, I was making um, a carrot salad for the restaurant. And back in the day, we we didn't make like just one bowl. We made like, you know, 20 liters of a salad. And yeah. I was mixing this carrot salad up with all the ingredients and the recipe called for like two cups of sugar into the, the salad. And I go into the pantry area yep. and these, these big white bins on the floor filled with um, sugar and other ingredients. I open up the bin, scoop out the sugar, throw it in the salad, make it up. And then my manager comes along and says, did you taste this salad before you uh, served it? I'm like, no, I just followed the recipe. I'd use salt instead of sugar because <laughs> the bins right. were labeled. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> luckily, we could just rinse off all the ingredients because the carrots were, were, they weren't cooked. They were just, you know, uh, little coins of carrots and then start over. But it was a, it was a, a smart lesson or a convenient Unfortunately, unfortunate lesson for me. <laughs> Label everything. Yes. <laughs> well, they should do that on baking programs because I've seen people do that on baking programs where they've put salt in a cake instead of sugar and things like that. I know. And and you go, you're watching at home and you're going, how could you make that mistake? And number one, you're not on the, you're not under studio lights with the pressure of like timeline and all this stuff you're out of your own environment. So it's easy to forget a simple ingredient. Yeah. And so people at home are going, Oh, how could you be so stupid? How could you forget one of these, uh, this major ingredient? And it's like, you're not in their shoes. You don't know what pressure they're under. And no. you know, what can you do? <laughs> Absolutely. I'm agent Scott and I'm Cam the provocateur. And we're from the Spy Hards Podcast. That's right, and you are listening to Pods Like Us, the podcast that also has the Midas touch. So I think you've already gone into what your favorite Christmas foods are. Have you got any least favorite <laughs> Christmas food that you don't touch? Off the top of my head, uh... I'm just trying to think. No, I don't. I mean, I've tried a lot no. of stuff. Um, I even like haggis. I know that's like a New Year's thing. <laughs> so that's fine. Um, 
I'm willing to try anything at least once. I mean, I will try it once. I've eaten crickets. I've eaten mealworms. I've eaten, um, you know, liver, kidneys. Yep. Um, you know, I've even had tongue. So I, do even, I don't mind what people considered unusual foods. And I think that's one of the reasons uh, I actually love cooking and baking as much as I do, because I'm not afraid of at least trying something once. Um, so, yeah, unfortunately, I don't have anything I don't like yet. <laughs> well, well, when I was younger, I mean, you know, because of being over, over the other side of the pond from you in, in Britain, tongue, uh, kidneys, and liver were normal foods over here anyway. So yeah, it's something you have steak that and I, I was pie. used to. We do have steak and kidney yeah. pie, which is delicious. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. One thing I haven't tried yet in the UK is eel. I know you can get eel okay. sandwiches. But you've tried mussels, cockles, and all these other types of seafood. Oh, yeah. I'm from Newfoundland. We'll eat anything. Um, Brilliant. Uh, yeah. When I was a kid, we used to go down to the shoreline, go to the beach, and pick out mussels out of the sea, and then boil them on the beach. Absolutely. Yep. Great. <laughs> Just remember not to overcook seafood because that's not a good thing. Yes. My favorite, actually, if we want to talk about seafood, my favorite one is uh, barbecuing oysters. They're delicious that way. Nice. Lovely. <laughs> Calm down, Martin. Calm down. So do you actually have any advice for people when it comes to food? Um, there's tons of ideas. If for the holidays, it's easy to get overwhelmed. You always see all these perfect, uh, pictures on websites, on magazines. Um, uh, we all want to have the perfect Christmas dinner because we've seen it on television and it's never going to happen. You've, yeah. you know, you've gotten all the team of people taking the perfect photo and half the time everything in that photo is fake except for the food that they're they're trying to sell um so the major thing is don't stress the small stuff i mean it's all everyone's there just to enjoy the day um but that being said have a plan (laughs) yeah you know even if you take the time and say you know this turkey is going to take four hours of my oven time and this pie is going to take another hour. And this, you know, what can I, what can I do the day before? What can I do two days before? Um, so you're not stuck in the kitchen while everyone else is having fun, watching t- TV or playing games or enjoying the day, being social. So try to take the pressure off yourself as much as you can for the holidays. I know it's, it's easy to say, hard to do, but try to be as organized as you are comfortable being organized. You don't need to be a slave to a schedule, but try to just plan it as much as you are comfortable doing so. That, that reminds me of um, an episode of we're going into television. Here, Everybody hates Chris where the mother was there and she had this, she had this whiteboard with everything written on there and, 
She had jobs mm-hmm. for each of the individual people, the kids and the, the husband that they had to do. This is what you've got to do at this at this time. You do it at this time and you do it at that time. And, yeah, I remember yeah. that from that comedy, Everybody Hates Chris, and that was quite funny. But, and yeah. people are always – nobody wants to see you fail. Nobody wants to see you be upset. So, you know, swallow your pride sometimes and say, oh, can you bring a side dish? Can you bring a dessert? Can you bring, you know – uh, um, a bread or the rolls for something, even as something as easy as bringing a bottle of wine because you didn't have time to go shopping. So everyone's there to enjoy family and food, and so that's why that's what I keep telling people: just don't sweat it. <laughs> and if you need help from people, just ask for it. If you need any, yeah, that most you, people are willing yeah. to help. Yeah, absolutely. You don't want to be. Um, the king or queen of the kitchen, but you know, it's no harm in asking for a bit of help. Okay. Well, I remember I almost forgot about this. Amanda from the podcast Sipless said that uh, she saw the title of your series, Seasoned Eating, Seasons Eatings, and it reminded her of a sketch from Saturday Night Live where they actually say that Seasons Eatings in the sketch, apparently. Oh, okay. It's funny because I asked, um, I'm part of the Christmas past Facebook group. And when I was thinking about doing this podcast a couple of years ago, I said, what should I call it? You know, holiday food is kind of boring. So of the list of suggestions, this was the one that everyone seemed to like. So, and then of course, as soon as I choose the podcast name, I see it everywhere. I see it on advertising for the Food yep. Network. I see it on posters for, you know, grocery <laughs> stores and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> we might get more interest because of it. You might, you know, people will be looking for it and go, oh, there's a podcast called that. So you might have got it because of that, because of it being yeah, tagged. And I, that's why I have, to, I have to keep saying this is a Seasons Eatings podcast. I can't just say yep. this is Seasons Eatings because – a, I may be infringing on someone's copyright, but I also don't want to get it confused with someone trying to find a show on the Food Channel or something. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey there, this is Bobby with the Rock Guys Podcast, and you are listening to Marv Smooth on the Pods Like Us Podcast. Check him out. So... After the, uh, I've already asked for your food advice. So when it comes to actually doing podcasts, have you got advice for anybody if they were starting to do a podcast of their own? Uh, a couple things. Um, you don't need to spend a lot of money uh, for one. There are a lot of great um, open source programs for editing to start you off, like Audacity, yeah. for example. Um I don't know if you if YouTube still has it, but they used to have a sound and music library that had royalty-free music. So you don't need to spend a lot of money. The most money I spent basically was on my microphone. Um, I had originally started with uh, a Blue Snowball, a Yeti microphone, which is one of those sort of all-encompassing sort of surround microphones, which was great. But the sound... Um, didn't pick up as crisply as I like. So I just, I invested on a dynamic microphone now. So it just, for me, it just gives me a, a crisper sound. So, yep. um, 
Another suggestion is if you can get at least three or four episodes in the can before you launch, because once you launch, things are going to go crazy. Um, You'll feel the pressure. Things will happen. Life happens. All of a sudden, you missed a deadline for an episode release, and now you've only got two episodes in the can to use. To use, yep. and so as much as you can, try to work ahead. And unfortunately, for the Christmas season, um, it always seems to say, "Oh, Christmas is you know six months away. I got lots of time." All of a sudden, <laughs> Christmas is three months away. Oh my goodness, Christmas is next month. Oh my goodness, <laughs> what am I going to do? <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, if you can, please try and work three or four episodes be- <laughs> ahead of what you're broadcasting at the time. <laughs> I'm guessing you've got a lot of them in the can already, then, because of the Christmas. Well, being the following weekend after this, you must have quite a few episodes ready, then. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately not. I'm just, again, when I first started off, I was like, oh, I'll do great. Uh, Three extra episodes. And no, most of the time it's like two. (laughs) (laughs) And I gave myself extra pressure because the Burr months as recently has been September, November, or September, October, November, December. We now call the Burr months in the Christmas community because Again, they all end in B-E-R. And they, you know, in the north northern hemisphere, the days are getting cooler. And, you know, you get that onomatopoeic burr sound. Yeah. So um, a lot of Christmas podcasters do extra episodes during the burr months just to get the listeners in. And the numbers ramp up as you get closer and closer to Christmas. So I gave myself the extra pressure of adding the side dishes for the burr months this year and last year. So that's where I get to focus on stuff like Brussels sprouts and, you know, sweet potato pie and stuff like that. And the cranberry sauce. So, yes. <laughs> so, yeah, if you do have a starter podcast, keep it simple, stick to one idea uh, and do it well. And hopefully do something you like. Don't feel beholden to, you know, all the different podcasts that are out there and this and the the different types of podcasts that are out there. If you're doing a podcast, I had this, sorry, I'm a little bit rambling. I had this sort of, um, okay. uh, what is that? Um, imposter syndrome for a little bit going, you know, I'm just some guy in my office, you know, talking into a microphone. Who's going to want to listen to me talk about Christmas food? 24, like 20, 12 months of the year. And for the yeah. first three or four episodes of my podcast, I was like, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? No one's listening. <laughs> and the numbers will come and yeah. do it because you love to do it. If I love talking about food, obviously, because I can do it for hours and hours. Um, I love Christmas. I love research and, you know, the occasional history show. So I combined them all and created a podcast that I would love to listen to. So if you're making a podcast out there, make something that you would love to listen to. Yeah. 
Because there are other people like yourself out there. You know, if you're going to, if you like that subject and you like talking about it, there will be people out there that will enjoy listening to that. Exactly. And I found that over the past, like my first year, yes, I'm a brand new podcaster. And yes, it's a very, very niche podcast. I mean, I could be general and say, yes, Christmas. I could do a Christmas podcast. And all of a sudden, I've created a niche right there. But no, I wanted to make it even a more nichier niche by talking about food during Christmas. Um, So I had thought, you know, oh, I'll be lucky to get 100 downloads. So in I'm, I don't want to boast, but I'm going to say it. By the end of this year, for my total downloads, I'll hit 25,000, which wow. is amazing for me. So, and the bulk of them in the last, you know, two months. Yeah. So it just don't sweat the numbers. Just do what you love. The numbers will come. But the, the interesting thing is like you, like yourself, you know, Brian Earl as well with the Chris, with Christmas pad, excuse me, Christmas past podcast you, you both have shows, and there are other shows that are all the way through the year about Christmas, but you also get great numbers throughout the year as well as, you know, I mean, you get a huge surge towards the end, towards it gets closer to Christmas, but you have got steady numbers going through the year as well, which is incredible considering the subject. Yeah, and and like I like myself, there are other people out there who love talking about the season and the holiday all the year long. Um, You know, I'm the crazy person who in February will start looking for the new Christmas ornament book that comes out every year. (laughs) Wow. Uh, That's great. I know I'll, I'll watch a Christmas special in the middle of the, you know, heat wave in July just to cool off mentally. <laughs> it kind of works. Um, so, yeah, like I said, if you enjoy talking about it, there's going to be someone else who will enjoy listening to it. Absolutely. We have friends, actually, who watch Christmas films all the way throughout the year, through, from January through to December, and keep carrying on. They, they always watch two or three Christmas films per week for the whole year. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because why would um, Hallmark and all the other channels make 40 Christmas movies this year? They're not making them because they want to. They're making them because they make money and people out there watch them. Absolutely. (laughs) So what other podcasts do you listen to yourself then, Glenn? Uh, For Christmas podcasts, oh, my goodness. So Christmas past, um, Christmas clatter. Can't wait for Christmas podcast. Let me just pull up my phone. <laughs> um, it's okay. Tinsel Tunes. That's Dwayne from New Zealand. He's a great. Yes, it is. Uh, yeah, I love that podcast. Um, Advent Calendar House, which they talk about Christmas specials. Uh, the British ones, Merry Britsmas. Um, the new one, Kringle Talks Christmas. There's another new one that just started like last month called the Christmas alphabet. Okay. Uh, he takes every wow. two weeks, he takes starting at a and talks about a topic beginning with that letter letter for Christmas. So he's, um, 
uh, a minister in the UK. I can't forget. I forget where. Um, the Weird Christmas Podcast, Craig, Craig Crindle, Kringle. He's another uh, great podcast. He talks about um, anything that's strange during the holiday season. So he and I actually talked yep. about uh, medieval Christmas last year on his show. You know, all the weird food that medieval chefs would make during the holiday season. Oh, it's crazy what yep. they would make. So, you know, the cockatrice with the rooster and pigs sewn together or a peacock um, covered in gold foil and set on fire. <laughs> just, it was just nuts. <laughs> um, yeah. So if you, I mean, find my episode of his show from last year uh, called weird Christmas and weird foods of Christmas. And it's a great show. Um, totally rad. Christmas is Jerry from, um, talks about all Christmas through the 1980s, which is kind of my my decade when sort of teenage years for Christmas. Uh, yep. Sleigh bells and mistletoe Christmas, which is kind of a radio style of a program where they talk about Christmas news and the interview people associated with the holidays. Um, other non-Christmas related when they actually have time to do non-Christmas. Um, I listened to the illusionist Helen Zaltzman. She's amazing. She talks about word origins and grammar and all that stuff. Um, Every Little Thing is another podcast that I listen to. And they, again, sort of origins of weird stuff. Like, yep. you know, what's sand made of? Stuff like that. <laughs> um, turns out it's made a whole bunch of little dead sea creatures. Anyway, mm. sorry, spoiler. Um, the other is 20,000 Hertz which is a podcast about sound and how sound shapes our lives. And for the weird stuff, I like listening to a few weird things besides the weird Christmas podcast lore, which is all about true sort of weird history and stories. Also uh, welcome to night Vale, which has been around for years and years and years. Yeah. And they have, yeah, it's, it's a weird podcast because it's all kind of, a radio program based on this small town of Night Vale, which all these strange things happen. So um, I think that's a small list of what I listen to. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like you listen I, to I as mean, many as I do. I know. Well, I mean, unfortunately, I, I listen to them when I walk to my dog and just when I go for a walk, you know, outside. I don't I can't listen to it at work because I work with the public. So, you know, kind of not, it's kind of frowned upon. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's sometimes it's hard to keep up. <laughs> <laughs> it is. So um, where can people find your show and get hold of you then, Glenn? All my links can be found on my website, which is seasonseatingspodcast.com. Um, I'm found on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, we have a Facebook group, Seasons Eat Podcast, so search for that. Twitter is Seasons Eat Pod, if I remember correctly, because um, I think Twitter only allows your like, 12 characters or something for your name. That's true. So, yeah. And Instagram is Seasons Eatings Pod, if I remember correctly. And you can email me. You can email me at Seasons Eatings Podcast at gmail.com. And 
if you're feeling extra generous, you can buy me an eggnog. <laughs> so just search Seasons Eatings Podcast on Kofi, K-O-F-I. All the links can be found at my website, seasonsinspodcast.com. Okay. I've taken all those down for, for links in the show notes afterwards. Anyway, thank you for speaking with me today, Glenn. That was so much fun. Great. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. And you can find Pods Like Us uh, on all uh, podcast platforms. Um, we are on Instagram and Twitter. If you search for Pods Like Us, you'll find us there. And I've got a website, which is themarvzone.org, which is all that, the podcast stuff, and it's got my music stuff that I do as well and some reviews as well, if, if you're that way inclined. But uh, anyway, thank you for listening, and I hope you listen again to another episode of Pods Like Us. Mm-hmm.